0: Good morning, so glad that you're here with us on this special day. If you have a Bible, you can go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 26. We'll get there in just a moment, Matthew chapter 26. You know, throughout the year here at Calvary, we celebrate two ordinances in our worship services, one of which is baptism. And if you've been here, you've seen uh, people, men and women, boys and girls baptized. And uh, also the other ordinance we celebrate is the Lord's Supper, which we'll partake in this morning. And so an ordinance is a is a ritual or ceremony uh, that is largely symbolic in nature and it points to a greater spiritual reality. And so the ordinances we observe, those two baptism Lord's Supper, were, were set forth by Jesus, were ordained by Jesus for us to follow in. And so as we think about the Lord's Supper this morning, as you read the pages of Scripture, the different instances where it's mentioned, and talked about, we see some themes uh, that, are, that are shared among all those instances in Scripture. And so you see that, that, of course, the Lord's Supper is a remembrance of what Jesus did, and just what Jesus said, that you do this in remembrance of me. Paul tells us it's a proclamation when we take the Lord's Supper. He says when you eat and drink, he says you proclaim the Lord's Death, In the same way, another theme of the Lord's Supper is expectation. But he says when you eat and drink, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So there's an element of expectation of the return of the Lord, excitement, building so that when the Lord comes, we'll see him face to face. And we think of those things as we take of the bread and the cup. But the theme I want to focus on today is the theme of Thanksgiving, the theme of Thanksgiving we see throughout Scripture. How appropriate it is this week that in just a few short days you're going to gather with your family around a table to share a meal that we as the family of God can come today and gather around a table and share a meal as well. Matthew chapter 26, Matthew being a disciple was present at the scene of this Lord's Supper and he describes it like this, Matthew 26 verse 26. He says, while they were eating, Jesus took the bread and gave thanks or gave a blessing and broke it. And he gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat. This is my body. Then he took the cup and he gave thanks and offered it to them saying, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. So Matthew says, as he took the bread and he took the cup, he offered a blessing he offered a word of thanks. Literally, Matthew is saying there, if you look in the original language, it says he's offered a eulogy and a Eucharist. Those words are found in that scripture. We probably are familiar with the word eulogy, probably associated in your mind and in mine with a funeral. So a eulogy usually is someone, a relative or friend of the deceased uh, is there and, and talks about the, the character qualities, the character, the, the good things about that person. And so eulogy just literally means good word. It's a good word. It's a blessing. And so Jesus said that, but then he also said there was a Eucharist. And so when I think about the Eucharist, it's to me in our everyday religious language, it's interchangeable with the Lord's Supper, or maybe use the word communion, Eucharist. When I think of Eucharist, I think of it used interchangeably, maybe in Christian traditions that are more formal, more liturgical, maybe have a slightly different view of what the Lord's Supper is, but at its root, Eucharist, it literally means good grace or good gift. And so when Jesus gives a Eucharist, it's from the, from the perspective of a recipient of that good gift, right? So if you receive a good gift, a good grace from God, you are grateful, you are thankful. And so we offer this thanksgiving. And so the question for us to consider as we lead into the the This part of the sermon is why did Jesus give thanks? Why did Jesus give thanks for what the disciples were about to partake in? Well, to fully understand that, we have to remember why were they gathered? Why were they there in this upper room in Jerusalem, all together gathered on this particular night? If you remember, it was during the festival of Passover, so, Passover was a huge annual celebration that the Jewish people would all gather in Jerusalem to celebrate and remember how God had delivered his people from slavery in Egypt. So, they would gather together, they would sing, they would eat, and part of that festival was a Passover meal. So, you would gather with friends or family, and that Passover meal would have certain prescribed elements, and those elements were symbolic. So, you would eat a roasted lamb. That was symbolic in remembrance of the lamb that had to be sacrificed way back in Egypt. They would take the blood of that sacrifice, put it on the doorpost of their home, you remember, and the angel of the death would pass over that home that night in Egypt. They would have other elements at a Passover meal. They would eat bitter herbs to remind them of the bitterness of slavery, and they would have bread and the cup and so forth and so on. So, The Passover meal, in many ways, was an ordinance for the Jewish people to remember. And so Jesus takes what would be highly regarded among the Jews, this Passover meal, and he redefines it for his people. He says the bread, the bread's going to represent his broken body. And the wine, the cup, would represent his blood that would be shed. And so in that, Jesus gives thanks for what his body and his blood would accomplish for all humanity. And so, for us today, that the Lord's Supper that we're gonna partake in in just a little while is an act of Eucharist, an act of thanksgiving for what Jesus accomplished on the cross. And so, in the next few moments, I just wanna zero in, focus in on three specific reasons for which we can be thankful for the cross. There's a lot of different things the cross accomplished for us, but I want to zero in on three today. And the first one is forgiveness, that we can be thankful as we partake of the Lord's Supper because we have forgiveness. Now, throughout Scripture, if you were to read it, there's a metaphor of our sin and compared to a stain, a stain that's on our soul. You know, I don't know if you've ever had a stain on, on a piece of clothing, maybe a shirt that you just couldn't get out and I remember one time I had a, had a white golf shirt, and I like wearing that, that white shirt when I played golf because it kept me cool. And I remember one time uh, I was drinking an orange Powerade uh, there on one of the holes, and I was getting in the cart, and the cart guy that was with me took off, and it kind of spilled down the front of my shirt. You can imagine a white shirt, just little drops of orange down the front. And I knew at that moment, uh-oh, this shirt may be done, right? So I got home, tried the bleach, tried oxyclean, I tried everything I could do, but of course... The stain wouldn't come out. The shirt was unwearable. It was unusable. And when we sin, Scripture says there's a stain on our soul that we alone are unable to remove. As much as we may try to do good things, as much as we may try to go to church, read the Bible and pray, all those things, all of that, our own effort is unable to remove the stain on our soul. And if that stain remains, we are separated from a holy God because God is holy and pure and clean. And that stain keeps us at a distance from him. And if that stain is not removed, then we'll spend eternity separated from him in a place called hell. But God has other plans for us. God wants to remove the stain. He says it way back in Isaiah. He says through the prophet Isaiah, he says, Come now, this is God saying, let us reason together. Let's settle this matter. I know you have stain on, on your soul, but I'm a forgiving God. He says, says the Lord, though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. It's in a very paradoxical way, I guess you could say the blood of Jesus Removes our stain. That by coming to Him in humility and repentance and confession, by our faith, when we cry out to Him and ask Him to forgive us, because of what Jesus did for us on the cross, because He shed His blood on our behalf, we can have forgiveness. We can be clean forever. So as we partake of the bread and the cup today, we can be grateful. We can be thankful that we are forgiven the stain of the sin that's on our soul, that, that, that was ever-present, that reminded us of, of our failure, of our shame, that the blood of Christ removes that, and that we are clean, we are forgiven. So we have forgiveness. And the second thing I think we can be thankful for is access, is access. If you recall in, in Israel's history... There were a couple of building structures in which the presence of God, the very presence of God, came down and dwelt among His people. And this was a huge deal. So, So back in Moses' day, it was this tabernacle, they called it. It was a structure that they could set up and tear down as they were wandering throughout the wilderness. And then later they would build a permanent structure in Jerusalem called the temple. Well, in the tabernacle and temple, there was also this inner room called the Holy of Holies. So you had this building, but inside was this special room, this unique room where God's presence would come down and dwell over the the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant. But not anyone could just go in and be in the presence of God. In fact, only one person could go in there, and that was the high priest, but he could only go in there one time a year. So one person once a year could enter into the full presence of God, that our access to God's presence and being with him was restricted because of our sin. I know you've probably been there in everyday life. There, there's some level you want to achieve, some place you want to go, some, something, some organization, something you want to be a part of, but something holds you back and that access isn't granted. And you understand the, the depth of that feeling in that moment. Well, our sin, our sin keeps us restricted from access to God. But because of the broken body, because of his shed blood, because he paid the price, scripture tells us we have full access to the presence of God. Listen to what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2. He says, for through him, through Christ, what Jesus did on the cross, we both, the both is Jew and Gentile, have access to the Father by one spirit. That no longer do we have to go through a person, the high priest, to enter access into God's presence, that because of what Jesus did, you and I can go fully into the presence of God. Think about how big of a deal that is, that men and women throughout the ages longed to be in the presence of God there in the Holy of Holies, but they were unable to because of their sin, because their sin could not be adequately atoned for by animals and the sacrifice there. But when Jesus dies on the cross, we sang it a minute ago. He cried out, it is finished, that everything that was required for access into God's presence was done. The penalty had been paid. Your sin was atoned for, and that we have full access, you and I, no mediator, to go before a holy God because of what Jesus did. But moreover, look what the writer of Hebrews says, Hebrews 4, 16. He says, let us then, since we have access, let's approach God's throne of grace with confidence. So that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So not only do we have access, not only can we go into the presence of God at any time, whether it's here at church, whether it's in your car, whether it's at home or at work, we can always go into the presence of God of what Jesus did for us. But not only can we go in there, we can go with confidence. We can be confident that we have standing in the presence of God. And that's confidence in not us. It's confidence in what Jesus did for us. We can go in there and be confident that we can find what he said, writer of Hebrews, grace and mercy. So not only do we have confidence that we can stand before God, but in that moment when we stand before God, there's not judgment. There's only grace and mercy to help us in our time of need. See, because of the broken body and the shed blood of Christ, we have access, full access to the presence of God. So finally, I think another reason we could be thankful Today, as we observe the Lord's Supper, we can be thankful because we have assurance. We have full assurance. Listen to what Jesus said. John 10, 28, he says, I give them eternal life. Who are them? People who have committed their lives to following Jesus. People who have said yes to Jesus. People who, who, who have come to a place in their life, they realize that God created them and God loves them, but they have sinned and their sin separates them from God. But God knew that and he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for them. And just by their faith, they said yes to Jesus. They repented of their sins, committed their life to following him. They're a follower of Jesus. And he says, I give them eternal life. And they shall never perish. No one, catch this, no one will snatch them out of my hand. And so the, the broken body and the shed blood of Christ on the cross gives us assurance that once we are his, we are his forever. That no matter what I've done or what I will do will separate me, what does Paul say, from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul says earlier in that chapter in Romans 8, therefore there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. That no matter what I do, when I stand before God, if I am in Christ, that all I receive from him is grace and not condemnation. There's no condemnation when I stand before God as a follower. That all I receive is grace and the shed blood of Christ The broken body of Christ gives me that assurance that I'm not separated from Him. That all I receive is grace. Do you have that assurance today? Do you have that assurance that no matter what happens in your life, maybe you're going through tough times, do you have the assurance that God is always with you? That nothing can separate you? Even when you're in sin and you start drifting away, do you, do you have the assurance that God still loves you because His love is based on what Christ did, not on what you have done? Do you have that assurance? The cross gives us that assurance. So, today, as we come and we partake of the elements here in just a moment, it is a Eucharist. It's an act of thanksgiving unto God for the forgiveness He gives us in His name that we are, are free, we are clean. From all the shame and the guilt that our sin brings into our lives, that we have access, full access with confidence into the presence of God and that we have assurance from God because of what Jesus did. We have assurance that he's always with us. He's always with us. So today as we partake of this here at Calvary, we open the Lord's Supper up to anyone, regardless if you're a member or not, but we We open up to anyone who is a born-again follower of Jesus. That once again, you've come to that place, you've repented of your sins, you've committed your life to Christ. And so if you have done that, we welcome you to participate. Maybe some of you in this room today, you've not done that. Maybe you've been at church, maybe you understand some things about God, but you've never nailed it down, you've never said yes to Jesus. Today, you can do that. Uh, See the Lord's Supper as an invitation to you to receive that but if that's not something you've done and maybe you're you'd say maybe I'm not ready at this time to do that and you would not consider yourself a follower of Jesus we would ask that you would just sit this one out but as we come to the table today to take of the bread and the cup here's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11 28 29 he says this everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup for those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. Listen, Paul, here's what Paul's saying. Paul's not saying we have to be perfect to partake of the Lord's Supper. Paul's not saying we have to have it all together. But I think what Paul is saying is that we have to be reverent. and We have to understand what the body and blood, what they mean, what they mean for us. And so we just want to give you a time of reflection right now. A time to, as Paul would say, examine ourselves. To, a time maybe just to focus and on what the body and blood of Christ means. And so maybe for you that may mean in many ways giving thanks of what God has done for you. Maybe it's repenting of sin. Maybe it's just focusing on what Jesus means to you. So I just ask that you bow your heads, close your eyes now, and just use this time to pray, to reflect, to just be in the presence of God before we take the elements. And then we're going to give you a moment just of silence, just to pray on your own, and then... We're going to be led in a song of reflection and then I'm going to come back up and we'll take the elements together. Pray with me. Father, we thank you for your broken body and your shed blood. And as the words of the song we just heard said that, Father, you died for us, but we know you're placed in a grave and three days later, you're raised back to life. And now you are seated at the right hand of the Father, ruling and reigning from heaven. And so, God, we come to you. God, may this Lord's Supper be an act of recommitment to you. that we'll follow you, whatever you say, wherever you lead us. May that be our hearts, in Christ's name. Amen.